This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Sir, the time I thank tell you, you I didn't like Seinfeld. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I waited till the end of the episode because I wanted to get this in. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. Everyone and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will follow his journey in the pages of the '90s, 2000 ongoing Robin series and other notable comics of that era. We will also take a look at other Tim Drake appearances in DC Comics, new and old, to find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 99. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman, whom is celebrating 80 years this year, and of course, Tim Drake, whom is celebrating the Big 3 0. We're, of course, with the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and we're also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. You can get a hold of us through all the social media outlets. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and you can email into the show at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Like I said, I am Rob and this is number 99 for the show. Technically, this is episode 100 that has been released. There have been 100 episodes because we had a zero episode. So somebody could say, well, you have released 100 episodes. But you know how us podcasters are. We have like 0.5 episodes and zeros and all these things. So yes, technically this is 100, but officially it is episode 99. I have a very special guest to close out the interview segments that I've been doing these last seven episodes, and it is somebody that I've been wanting to have on the show for uh, quite some time, and you'll hear in the conversation that uh, he and I recorded a little bit ago, I kind of chickened out having him on the show because I just thought, I don't, I don't know if I'm up to his level 
early on when I came in contact with a Superman comic that uh, featured Tim Drake. So I went to my good buddy, Stu Murray, and uh, he helped me do the uh, two Superman issues. And he's a big Superman fan and a big Superman collector of, you know, just memorabilia and statues and action figures, uh, much like I am. So we had a really good rapport there. And I thought maybe I can work up to... Mr. Michael Bailey. So yes, uh, Michael Bailey is going to close out the interview segments for this Road to 100. And uh, I don't think I got a chance to tell him while we were doing the interview, so I can do it now. And so it'll seem so uh, sheepish and bashful. Tom Panarese, Andrew Leyland, and Michael Bailey were the first three podcasters that I really heard um, when I started just listening to podcasts in general. And there was just something really cool about three of those guys. Now, unfortunately, I ran out of slots to try and uh, get Andrew Leyland on the show to do this interview uh, series. That's something I would like to do is to try and get him on the show. But uh, just listening to Michael Bailey's long podcasting career that he's had, um, it's just he's so very uh, entertaining to listen to and is somebody you're like, you know what? That's a guy I want to go hang out with and just nerd out and talk about comics. And knowing that he is a big Tim Drake fan, he and I are roughly the same age, along with you know Tom Panarese. We kind of grew up in this sweet spot of uh, comics is how I refer to it. It was an absolute pleasure to have Michael on the show. And uh, I don't know why I was so nervous uh, getting him on and just asking him, to do the radio drama, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what's he going to think of me, you know, asking uh, to do this, you know, silly, you know, radio drama that I was producing and he couldn't have been sweeter, couldn't have been a nicer guy. And, uh, so when we came up to do this idea for, you know, the road to 100, Michael Bailey was on the top of my list. And I, I knew that I wanted him to close out this uh, interview segment just because he was one of the first voices, like I said, that I heard podcasting. And technically, I think it was a comment that he had on Michael and Andrew Leyland's uh, Hey Kids Comics. So I'm trying to remember the time frame. Was it Andrew Leyland that guested on Views from a Long Box or was it the other way around? But uh, nonetheless, the one of the first voices that I had come in contact with was Michael Bailey. So I thought I, I couldn't think of a, a better person to close out this segment. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed this road to 100 as, as we get ready to celebrate 100 episodes of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and... And I think you're in for a real treat. And the conversation that Michael Bailey and I had is, was just so much fun. We got to laughing back and forth. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of all of them. But this one was one I was really looking forward to. And just to have an hour or so to chat with uh, Mr. Bailey about Tim Drake and the whole world of Batman and our, our love for comics. So check this out. We're going to do a couple promos. And when we come back... You're going to hear uh, my conversation with the fantastic Mr. Michael Bailey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. There's something about you I want to risk you I don't even know you So what does that mean? Maybe I'm cynical Painfully logical Tragic and beautiful, and that's 
good enough for me You're looking for a hero But it's just my old tattoo Tonight I swear I'd sell my soul To be a hero for Ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding comic book filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017, and because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All Comes Back to Superman. It All Comes Back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network. New episodes will drop on the 28th of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaileytube.com. In 1939... Bob Kane and Bill Finger created a shadowy crime fighter steeped in the pulps and crime dramas of the time. That character was Batman. Over the next 80 years, Batman not only became one of the most popular comic book characters of all time, but also became a television and movie phenomenon, appearing in both live action and animated projects. And then there are the plethora of video games, trading cards, action figures, and statues that have been made of him and his cast of characters. Because of this, Mike and I want to spend the next year celebrating his 80th birthday. And we're calling that celebration the Overlooked Dark Knight Celebration of Batman's 80th Birthday. Yes. But really? Really? That That's the best name that you could come up with. You've written panels, dude, and that's the best thing you could come up with. It's... Accurate. Yeah, but, you know, you and I have been podcasting a long time now. That was the placeholder name. We can do better than that. Okay, what's your idea? Well, what did we call it in the first episode of this series that we've already recorded? I I really have no idea. It's a miracle that I remember what books we talked about. Well, that's fair, because I don't remember that either. Anyway, Andy and I are going to be spending May 2019 to May 2020 talking about Batman stories from all eras that we feel are either overlooked or too awesome not to talk about. 
We're even going to have special episodes dedicated to things like the 1989 Batman film and what issues of Detective Comics we would include in a big hardcover collection. Episodes will drop twice a month. You sure about that? To the best of my ability, episodes will drop twice a month at www.fortressofbailytude.com. You can also find the show on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. The Overlooked Dark Knight celebration of Batman's 80th birthday. Because everyone is doing it, but we're doing it for a whole year. The Overlooked Dark Knight is part of the Fortress of Bailey 2 podcasting network. All right, reserve. My name is Michael Bailey, and I am still kind of a bad geek. Not a fan of anime, never seen any of the Harry Potter films, much less read the books. I ventured a little further into the worlds of Star Wars and Star Trek, and I've even managed to watch a little Doctor Who. I've also managed to not watch a single episode of The Walking Dead. So what do I like? Comic Comic books. books. I have been reading and collecting comic books since 1987, and I've been a fan of superheroes for as long as I can remember. Some would consider this a hobby, but I prefer to look at it as what it truly is, a crippling addiction that I may never recover from. Back in 2007, I started a podcast called Views from the Long Box to deal with this borderline personality disorder. Every week or so, I pick a particular comic or issue or character or whatever to talk about them and then... Well, I, I talk about them. It's kind of what a podcast is. Sometimes I'm alone. Sometimes I'm joined by my semi-regular co-host, the Irredeemable Shag, or Thomas DJ, and the permanent semi-regular co-host, Andrew Leyland, and sometimes another friend from the podcasting and comic book world stops by to chat. The show is located at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com, where you can find old episodes and show notes and links to my other internet endeavors. You can also find the show on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter under the handle at Bailey's Podcasts. Views from the Long Box, a podcast about comic books or a desperate cry for help. You decide every Tuesday or so at www.viewsfromthelongbox.com. Hello, this is the Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and you're listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. All right, everyone. My next guest on the podcast is somebody that I chickened out about three years, actually about four years ago now, that I wanted to have this gentleman on. I thought, you know what? I'll rope him into an audio drama. That'll be the first (laughs) end to get him onto the show. He voiced uh, Mr. Oz and uh, Jor-El. My history with this gentleman that I'm getting ready to introduce goes clear back to Bailey's Batman podcast back when I was too chicken to be writing any emails in, but some of his other shows from Crisis to Crisis, The Overlooked Dark Knight, and a show that I absolutely adore is It All Comes Back to Superman. (laughs) So when you made your most recent uh, podcast uh, announcement that they were going to kind of just wait and see. I remember driving on my way to work going, oh, wait and see. I hope that's tomorrow. 
It goes without any introduction. It is Michael Bailey. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am. Uh, I am doing fantastic. It's a. It's a pleasure being with you. I have been. I've been playing your trailer for years, and it's funny because you and Chris Franklin of the Two True Freaks Network, not Two True Freaks, I'm mixing up my my friends <laughs> and their networks of Fire and Water both did the uh, wife telling you to take the garbage out gag. If, if I'm remembering, yeah. if I'm remembering your first trailer correctly, it was yes. you know, take the garbage yep. out, and then you 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 put Brody in there, which nice a- appealed to me. So, uh, but thank you for such a great introduction. That that uh, that it, it 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 is both humbling and embarrassing at the same time. But I'm one of those people that when people say things that are nice, I tend to shrink back because you know I'm an introvert. So I can I can relate. I think, I think all of us podcasters are like, oh, quit saying nice things. I'm going to pull my shirt over my head. It's going to be awkward for everybody now. It's also a pleasure because now I'm speaking to somebody who has uh, spoken at a educational conference. So that, that's like, uh, I thought about throwing my hat into that, but there was no way I could make the time work. So uh, you guys seem to have a really good time up in Ohio. Ohio? Yeah, that was really speak, good. I promise. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, and that was one of those. I think I was the closest attendee with a 45-minute drive, and I was like, I played in the bars and clubs in Bowling Green, you know, and I I got kicked out of a hockey game (laughs) at Bowling Green State University. Sorry, BGSU. It was my jerk cousin. You know, you have that one friend that just is throwing beer and pop and swearing. I'm like, all right, it's going to be a thing now. So I technically did not get asked to leave, but my cousin did, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we know. He's a bastard. We get it. We will graciously leave. So this is for uh, leading up to our 100th episode. And, of course, it's Tim Drake's 30th anniversary, which makes me feel very old to say that, like, it's one thing to say, oh, Batman is 80, Superman is 81. And when you start going, Tim Drake is 30. Like, I graduated high school in 93, and I can remember buying Robin 1, the miniseries, and your Robin 2 and Robin 3, Cry of the Huntress, and all those going, when is he going to get his ongoing series? And <laughs> fast forward to 2019 going, it's been 30 years. <laughs> so I've got a series of questions for you, and a little into you a little bit, The just because I'm talking to a, a Superman guy here, wanted to talk about the popularity of Tim Drake. And one of the big things that I realize that hey this character that i like so much he is appearing in another big dc superhero book and that would be superman the man of steel 14 and Mm -hmm. superman 70 the night of uh the bat which is where i was initially going to pull you on but i i chickened out and i had my good friend Stu murray (laughs) do this show with me i'm like i don't think i'm ready for michael bailey yet so I, i wanted to get uh I wanted to get your quick thoughts on maybe not so much that story, but to be able to have Tim Drake and there be no Batman in the book at all appear in the Superman book or two of the Superman books. And one being the Dan Jurgens book for you being a Superman fan, seeing the Tim Drake character arrive in that book was was that a, a big deal? Like it was a big deal for me in '92 to go, oh wow, Robin's in the Superman book. But I always wondered from the Superman side of of the book, was it more like, oh, you know, here here's DC's new character, or was it still a big deal across across the board? Well, I was a Tim Drake fan, 
So it was like, oh, this is cool because to get on like more of a you know one thousand foot view, Tim teamed up with Superman, but he mainly teamed up with Jimmy Olsen in that story. Yes, and there was a history of Dick Grayson Robin teaming up with Jimmy Olsen in the Silver Age. So this was kind of in my perception of it. I wasn't I wasn't as focused in on Superman's entire history in '92. Uh, as I would eventually become, but I, I recognized, hey, it's Robin, and it's not only Robin; it's my Robin. You know, the the Robin that I could, uh, you know, say that I was literally there when he was created, not like in the room with Marv Wolfman, obviously. Right. But you know, I picked up your three part one off the stands, and I followed the Superman books, uh, Superman Batman books for like a solid year and a half after that. So I I got to see this character come up. So even though at the time I wasn't reading the Batman books, it was really cool to see Tim, uh, who I just loved as a character, be able to hold his own in a Superman uh, with one of the big guns. But here's the thing. Superman is like probably intimidating for other heroes, but he's also the guy that is going to accept you the fastest. Because that's just who Superman is as a character. If you can kind of prove yourself, uh, you know, even though he doesn't have that thing that Batman would eventually have, where you know, don't trust the alien. Right. Uh, it's it's more like, hey, this kid. If Batman says he's good enough, he's good enough. And if I'm remembering correctly, they had him in the books to kind of throw a little light on the Superman titles because yeah. while they were critically successful in, at the time. And it's weird to think that that was like four or five months before they killed him and his popularity <laughs> right, right. being cemented. But it was more like, let's have a Bat character, because that was also the summer of 92, which was the summer of Batman Returns. So there was just a lot going on that summer. It was the summer of my first job. I worked at McDonald's. I was there for the Batman Returns Cups. It was awesome. Nice. Uh, I was also there for the Dream Team Cups, which was less thrilling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you recognize that as a big deal because, you know, everyone's coming in and wanting them. But, uh, yeah, so that was just like a summer of Batman anyways, to a certain extent. You know, Shadow of the Bat premiered and you had all this awesome stuff. Right. I had I had income so I could go to the comic shop and buy more than just the poultry list that I had. So, yeah, I just, I loved those issues. When we covered them on From Crisis to Crisis, we had a lot of fun with them because... It was really interesting to see John Bogdanov's Tim Drake compared to Dan Jurgens' Tim yeah. Drake. And, and it's not like one is better than the other. It's just interesting to see how two really good artists take that costume and kind of do something completely different with it. Yeah, I absolutely love the Superman 70 cover. If I believe it's the one where you've got Robin uh, swinging in from the mm-hmm. uh, front of it, Superman's getting stabbed. That Tim Drake costume looks so amazing on that front cover. Yeah, Jurgens has a good eye for the detail, and uh, that his covers are usually dynamic in some way. He rarely turns in a boring cover. I can't even really think of one that I would look at and go, "Man, that that you know maybe maybe earlier in his career it's not as polished, but you see the energy there." And it was kind of fun to have Superman dealing with the supernatural because, you know, everyone says, you know, one of his vulnerabilities is magic. Well, yeah, everyone's vulnerable to magic. You know, it's, 
you're, you're basically saying he's like everybody else. And that character, that very Nosferatu-looking vampire, came back to diminishing returns. Uh, <laughs> the character of Babe that Jimmy was uh, friends with at the time. That's right. Eventually becomes a vampire herself. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just like, I don't want to say it's bad, but, you know... It's it, bad in a good way. He, he kind of <laughs> snuck it in right after he comes back from the dead, so, like, everything looks good at that point. So it's like, let's just put that one Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I know you've already played your hand, and I heard uh, your most recent uh, episode 33 of The Overlooked Dark Knight, where you guys are covering one of my... It's sorely underrated, uh, mm-hmm. which is one reason why you guys are covering it, Batman Year 3. So... My technical first question, what was your first introduction to the character? Since we know what that is, um, if you could spoil your last episode, your upcoming episode, uh, what did you think of year three, um, even though we didn't realize to a lonely place of dying that, hey, this kid that's sitting on uh, Dick Grayson's knee is going to become the third Robin. Uh, what was your initial reaction? We can move the question a little bit to... Uh, a lonely place of dying, if you like, uh, of your first encounter with Tim Drake. It, it was one of those things where I was still young enough as a comic book reader because I didn't really start collecting books and getting serious about them until I was 11. So I was 13 going on 14 from 89 to uh, 90. I think I'm like a year younger than you because I graduated in 94. Okay. Which means that not only is this the 30th anniversary of Tim Drake, it's also the 25th anniversary of me. Uh, leaving high school and uh wow i feel old <laughs> I, i'm um, glad i could do that for you this <laughs> evening <laughs> that rob no, Myers guy is a jerk <laughs> no 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 believe me where i work i work with predominantly young people as my associates so i am constantly reminded Ditto. how how old i really am now <laughs> but but the thing is is that i remember you know being so into batman that summer because how could you not be into batman in right. the summer of 1989 i mean even people who didn't care one whit about comics were wearing Batman t-shirts leading to a very amusing exchange when I was called a poser uh, at the end of 7th grade by a guy in gym class uh, because apparently I didn't skateboard uh, oh, therefore wow. I, I couldn't wear ba- and, and, and people of our generation <laughs> understand exactly what I'm talking about when I say that <laughs> um, yes. but getting into year one, year 3 and, and uh, mud pack because they kind of ran I concurrently it was just like, this was like the perfect, like, DC, man, they nailed that summer for Batman. It's just like, they, they not only had a great movie, they had amazing comics for you to go to read. And you go right into A Lonely Place of Dying, and I did not initially read the New Teen Titans issue, or the New Titans issues, because they weren't really available. Walden yeah. Books carried them sporadically, and I wasn't going to a comic shop on a regular basis. So I missed that issue of New Titans where you really meet Tim. But when you got to the point where you find out who this kid is and you see that flashback of him sitting on Dick's knee, I was just like, (gasps) it was him. And it is so wonderful to still feel that to a certain extent now that I am jaded. Because, you know, it's just like I, I don't usually get that with new comics now. But, man, it was just really cool to be there when this character was coming around because, you know, Death in the Family was a huge deal. 
It made the right. newspaper. That's how I knew it was a big deal. There was an article in the morning call about the death of Jason Todd. And I kind of off and on followed the Bat Books around that time period. So I felt kind of invested in it. So when you have the introduction of this new kid that's going to be Robin, you got the sense that this is somebody who doesn't have their ear to the ground of fandom. I'm not talking to everybody. I was, uh, to put it in pagan terms, I was a solitary practitioner of comics. And just to recognize that, oh, they're taking their time with this kid, I think was probably one of the most, like, non-me observations at the time. I usually did not see the, what is the line in Batman, I didn't hear the train until it was right on me most of the time. Yeah, it was two feet in front of him, yeah. Yeah. So, so to recognize that and see this kid who, you know, initially is wearing the Dick Grayson outfit, but you knew that he wasn't going to be in that outfit after the storyline. I just... Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I fully expected the pixie boots. It blew my mind when he got a new costume. Sorry. Uh, right. Let for, me interrupt. <laughs> for whatever reason, I never thought... I, I didn't think that's what they were going to go because... You know, it's not that that costume is bad. It just, I always got the sense that when he becomes Robin, it's going to be different. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, like ninja boots and pants. But it was it was just neat, though, to see him initially in that outfit and to kind of, like, talk to Bruce Wayne as a person. Yeah. You know, you know here's this, like, 14-year-old kid going, you have to do this. And Bruce, you know, kind of getting his head out of his rectum. And, and kind of accepting that fact. And one of my earliest comics when I started collecting was Batman 416. So I... Yeah, it's, it's one of the best issues of all time. And that issue introduced the concept to me that Dick was not involved with Jason much. So now it seemed that Dick was going to be in on this kid's training. Like, maybe not every issue... But he was going to be there. So it was this really cool sense of, wow, there's a Bat family here, which would eventually grow into something really awesome by the end of the 90s. But this was kind of like the genesis of that. Yeah. Aside from the introduction of Tim, what did you think of, now that we know about his costume, what did you think of the costume the first time that you saw it? And then an afterthought to that, did he successfully escape the 90s? Or do you look at that costume and go, oh man, that's clearly 1992? Or is it timeless now? I honestly think it's timeless now. The only thing that ties that to that era is the boots. Because... There were there were kids in my class. Uh, the way our school was structured, the school system was structured, is that you had grades seven through nine in one cl- in one school. That was the junior high, and ten through twelve in the high school. Now, typically, you have yep. nine through twelve together. They didn't do that to us. I have no idea why. That's how ours was ten through twelve. Or no, no, I'm sorry, it was nine through twelve. I think so. You know, I would you know be having the ninth grade be the year that basically my ninth grade year at the beginning was when everything came together for Tim becoming Robin. There were kids in my class that were into comics. So it's what we talked about. And, uh, (laughs) the funny thing is I could not find the issue because I was not aware of the fact that there were these vultures going to all of the spinner racks (laughs) that I haunted that were stealing, that were taking the comics. But my orthodontist, 
had loads of DC books. That's actually where I kind of got into comics. So I got to read the whole story all at once in the waiting room, waiting for my appointment. But I remember specifically this kid, Sean Cameron. I say I can't believe his name. I remember his name. Uh, Shag Matthews is calling me a liar right now. Uh, <laughs> going, he's got, and I think, and I hope I'm getting this right. He he goes, he's got taffy boots, I believe, or or, or he, it was kind of a word like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, look at the boots. It's got the toe. Those are like ninja shoes. And I'm like, oh wow, like <laughs> like this totally <laughs> innocuous thing but it made him cool because here was a robin that was my age essentially and in like wearing the cool things that me and the people i talked to were talking about and i think his costume is not 90s i I fall very strongly on that because the 90s did not become the 90s till about 1992 93 guy gardner yeah uh sorry you know tickle in my throat i uh i've had this conversation with bunches of people so we might as well have it too (laughs) a decade does not start on january 1st of the decade correct a decade takes you know if you look at february 1980 it is virtually indistinguishable from like november 1979 so that costume being designed when it when it was by who it was designed by Right. So you don't have, and this isn't meant as a pejorative, you don't have Rob Liefeld or Todd McFarlane or Jim Lee designing this thing. You have Neil Adams, who has a history of designing alternate Robin costumes. So I I just, I I remember getting the first issue of the miniseries, which was, you had to get that. Yeah. Like, if you didn't get that, you couldn't talk to anybody. (laughs) <laughs> like you could you could miss the rest of the miniseries, but you had to get that first issue. Yeah, I was out front of my local comic shop thinking there was going to be a line around the store and it was me and one other guy. And I was like, This is really awkward and he's like, Are you here for the Robin book? And I'm like, Yes, I am too. And that, that line that line to us might have been two hundred people, <laughs> but it was two of us. And the guy, guy guy opens the door, Mitch opens the door and says you guys here for the Robin book? We didn't even walk in. We, we each handed him two bucks, and he's like, close enough. See ya. <laughs> Shut the door. We never stepped in and went into our cars, and each of us were reading in the car, and then looked over at one another, thumbs up, like, all right. I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my day, but this was awesome. Sorry. It's almost like it was a drug deal. I mean, I, like- it was. You could tell that. He was not planning on opening at 10.30. He was like, ah, I'll open when I get there. But here are these two knuckleheads outside, and I've got my first real money, and, you know, I'm buying comics. It's not mom and dad's money. It's mine. Open up your store. And and it's kind of funny because him becoming Robin is when I checked out for a couple of years. Uh, Though I do vividly remember buying Robin 2 uh, the Joker's Wild mm-hmm. out of a dollar box at a one-day show uh, and really enjoying that. But it's it's kind of funny that it's just like I got really, really excited and then it's just like, okay, I'm just going to do... Uh, and, and really, it's the Flash's fault mm-hmm. uh, because that was the year the John Wesley Ship show hit. So I was really distracted by that <laughs> because <laughs> I was just so excited Man, that I, there was a comic book TV show yes. 
on television yep. that kept getting preempted by war coverage. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it was like that in Seinfeld. The first episode of Seinfeld is mm-hmm. preempted for, by war coverage. And then, you know, the Flash. I'm like, what is going on with the things that I love? <laughs> <laughs> but just just opening up that first issue of the miniseries and, and, and seeing him develop over that year, I, I don't think you can discount that either because, you know, his, you know he, he was kind of really wrapped up with anarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for, for me, those characters will always be connected. Uh, yeah. Simply because of of them coming out at the same time, summer of ninety is a great summer for Batman books. You had a lot of cool stuff happening in Detective, especially. But you know, you get to that 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 mini series, and suddenly it's real. Suddenly, there's a new Robin, and everyone likes him because the group think then is now uh, was that Jason Todd was annoying, but everyone likes Tim because he did it the right way, even though technically. If you look at the history, he did it exactly the way the original Jason Todd did. did. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Only he just, you know, his parents didn't die from a trapeze just like Dick Grayson's parents. Uh, No, no, no. Dick Grayson didn't get his parents killed. I think you should... Let's let's Alex (laughs) choose this for a minute, okay? We gotta be real about this. (laughs) Well, uh, what's a favorite uh, Tim Drake story, a, a book that you look at and go, Tim is just a real p- predominant player, or you just thought he was really cool in that story? For me, it was the time period, and, and I can't like nail it down to a specific issue, mm-hmm. but it was that era right after Zero Hour. Uh, and and mm. to be fair, that's when I got back into the Batman books. Zero hour and zero month were kind of like me going all in on the DC universe to a certain extent. And there was just something really cool about Tim at that time hiding the fact that he was Robin from his father. Micro Ringo came on as artist, uh, and and it was really that Ninja Camp story. I that, love that ninja camp story. Yeah, it's just it's just so much fun because it mixed up so many things. I was one of those guys that in the nineties loved the bad martial arts films that were everywhere. The Van yes. Dams and the Seagals. I watched all the kickboxers. I loved the perfect weapon with Jeff Speakman. Uh <laughs> You laugh at that. Mariska Hargitay was in that movie. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, but here it was, you know, the martial arts elements of Batman were so heavily played up in the 90s, like throughout the entire course of the 90s. It seemed like, you know, it was more important that he knew 15 different versions of the martial arts than it was that he was a detective uh, at right. times. But it was just kind of cool that it was Tim kind of on his own in a camp where... You know, he may, he's probably better than most of these people, but they got him on numbers. So it, it was just, it was just really cool that he, his dad's just like, okay, I'll send you to this ninja camp, and it turns out to be a case. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll narrow it down to that. That was one of my favorites. I love that story. One of my favorite moments from that story is when the sensei masters just, I forget who the blonde heavyweight kid is that the sensei is just, 
beating the tar out of. And the inner monologue for Tim is like, I don't know what happened next, but the next thing I know, I'm up off the ground and I'm kicking his sensei in the face. This is not how this was supposed to go. <laughs> I just, I can just, I could see this playing yeah. out on a, a animated series or just in one of those 90s kung fu movies where it's like, oh boy. How how are you going to play uh, mild and meek now that you just took out the leader yeah. guy? <laughs> you just kicked that dude in. Like, not, you know, swept his legs out, no. not tackled him. No, you are in a full jump kick smacking him in the face. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah. Because he's picking on a kid. It was yeah. just... This, that, that, to me, was why I liked Tim. It's funny that there are certain characters now uh, that I kind of grandfather in. Like, there are some teenage characters that were created in the 2000s that I never glommed onto because I was an adult when they mm-hmm. were created. But Tim was my age when he was created, and I kind of grew up with him as, like, that really good-looking, talented, popular friend that you still liked despite the fact that you shouldn't. Right. Uh, you know, Connor, Kent, you know... Uh, Cassie Sandsmark, those characters, they all kind of are lumped into that. Yeah. Th- and, those are the three, yeah. And Tim was just kind of like Bruce Wayne is the only good, moral, rich person in Gotham City. Tim was the only good looking, somewhat popular, athletic, nice guy in the teenage yeah. world. I guess that's the best way to put that. <laughs> One word for you. Redbird. It makes me think of him being all excited in the the first issues of his ongoing title that he had his own car. I, I loved that he had his own car. Same here. He wasn't riding a a motorcycle. Although, like you said, growing up with Tim Drake, I'm like, I've got a bicycle. Tim Drake's got a bicycle. <laughs> I could be Robin. And I like that they they wove that into the story. Like he gets his driver's license early because he's taking care of his father, mm-hmm. and that the Red Bird. I always liked that they didn't lean into it after the first few issues. But the Red Bird could be a coupe. It was the same car. Here's his new car, which also happens to be the Red Bird. This is what he gets to drive his dad around in. And oh, by the way, he's trying to outrun Shotgun Smith in the car and chase after you know the uh, about said the newsboys. Uh, it, it was it was funny, too, because I didn't get my license until I was 17 because I was a lazy student, and that was my punishment. You couldn't get your license. But uh, leading up to the, my senior year, uh, with my mom being sick, they're like, you're, you've got to drive yourself places. So it, 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 there was like this weird, interesting connection that I got my license when I did because of a parent. So it's just one of those other ways where I feel like Tim and I are connected in a way that you can only be connected to somebody in your teenage life. So out of the main titles that Tim Drake would be a part of being Robin, Red Robin, Young Justice, Teen Titans with Jeff Johns, out of those four main books where he's the lead, if you will, other than his own solo, which is the one that you gravitated towards more or the one that was the best depiction of Tim Drake if you're like if you're going to read something about Tim Drake do you show him in the solo aspect or do you put him in with the group aspect or the older version of himself as Red Robin I am not a huge fan of the Red Robin Tim it's it's not like I don't like Tim anymore it's right. just 
Uh, I, I have a very visceral, visceral, vivid memory of about ten years ago when they the whole dust up after battle for the cow happened, and it's, you know Dick's talking to Tim. He's just like, "Well, he's Robin, and now you're going to go off and be that." I'm like, "Did you just, did you just dump Tim?" <laughs> yeah. Did, and it was just like, and I remember Donovan and I had a had an exchange about that where. I think at the time Donovan didn't see it the way I did. I, I think that's changed. But it just seemed like he was shunted to the side. So the Red Robin and, and definitely the new 52 Red Robin and Teen Titans was just not my cup of tea. I, I really have to say that if I was going to put Robin issues into somebody's hands, Chuck Dixon has to be involved. Yeah. Uh, you know, for somebody who didn't create the character, he created the character. Uh, he cemented who mm-hmm. that was. I love Young Justice. Uh, I even, to a certain extent, like Tim as part of the Teen Titans when Jeff Johns took that, t- you know, created that new title. Yeah. But there is just something about those hundred or so issues where Tim really goes on this kind of roller coaster ride of you know the greatest thing I always thought about Tim was that Tim didn't want to grow up to be Batman. Tim was totally cool being who he was. So there was never that sense that he was going to assume the mantle at some point. Tim was the one that could walk away. And you only really got that sense when Chuck Dixon was writing the character. Yeah. So basically, yeah, those, those hundred issues I would put in somebody's hands and go, look, you really, you know, with the, of course, the miniseries leading into it. And my dog agrees with me. Oh, totally. (laughs) Is Is it? Do you like Tim? Oh, now she's glaring at me. So, um, but, but the, you know, I don't want to downplay how awesome Young Justice was as a title. But there, there, I really only go, I really, when I close my eyes and think of Tim, I think of the main book. Yeah. Well, since you mentioned the New 52, and let me tell you, that was a hard read for a guy being a Tim Drake fan and going, what are you doing to this character? In the last five years or so, starting with the New 52, it seems Tim Drake has taken a backseat to other Bat family members or almost left out of the media or what have you. Why do you think that is? Where I almost want to blame it. It's because of the New 52, regardless of what somebody might think of the Red Robin series. There was a nice transition, even like you said, how clunky it was going from Robin to Red Robin, and then the New 52 hit, and now being a Tim Drake fan, I'm scrambling to find books where Tim Drake is. Why do you think that ended up happening to... Uh, Damien. Uh, Damien did to Tim Drake what Barry Allen coming back did to Wally West and what Hal Jordan coming back did to Kyle Rayner as Mm -hmm. characters. And it's kind of funny that Kyle, Wally, and Tim are three characters that I followed for ten years. Uh, starting in 1994. So it's just, I was, uh, I have a vivid memory of senior skip day going to the comic shop and picking up Green Lantern 51 and 52 off the stands. Mm. So it was just like right there, again, being there at ground zero of something. And Tim took a back seat because Damien became Robin. And at that point, you're in a position where, well, Dick's going to be Nightwing. And we brought Jason back, and he's going to be Red Hood, you know. Which you know, yeah. 
I, I have no. It's like Jason's like one of those characters I don't like, but I have nothing against at the same time. Yeah. It's 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 really kind of weird. It's just like I feel bad for him because it seems like they brought him back and in a really great story. I love Under the Red Hood. Uh, I remember reading it as it was hitting the hitting month after month. I thought it was a great storyline, but it's just like after that, it's just like, well, we're gonna put him in Countdown with Donna Troy, and maybe something will happen there. But Tim, you know, he after Identity Crisis too, he lost who he was as a character because what separated again what separates Tim is the fact that he has a dad to go home to. Yeah, yeah. And that, to me, was always like, why are you eliminating that? Why are you taking that away for the short-term gain of this story? Now, we could argue about identity crisis all night long, but the fact of the matter is, killing uh, Jack... Jack? Is that Jack, yes. Jack, yep. Sorry, I almost said Jack Ryder, and I confused (laughs) myself for a second. Uh, Killing Jack Drake, especially around the time period where they did it, where he had just found out that Tim was Robin. And, And it's just like... Like, I love you, Bill Willingham, but really, did you just have Jack Drake pull a gun on Bruce Wayne? Is that what's going yeah. on in my in my comic So <laughs> that I just paid money for? Right. But, it's, but it just after that and after Infinite Crisis, it's like he, he kind of limped along. And then once Damien was part of it, it's just like he is a side character. He is secondary. He is part of the Teen Titans, but that's just because Damien can't be part of the Teen Titans. And when you look at the expanded media, Tim's really only had two big roles. He, you know, he was... Uh, they they did a meld of him and Jason Todd for uh, the new Batman Adventures. Right. Uh, which, uh, it took me a while to, to like that costume, but now I really like that costume. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's part of Young Justice, which I have only just watched the first season. I'm about to dive into season two, so I'm going to get to know Tim there. Uh, season which I'm two gonna, is so good. <laughs> which I'm kind of excited about, really. But, you know, at, after Damien gets created and they start doing these animated films, who's Robin? It's it's Damien. Yeah. You know, if we're going to have a Teen Titans movie, who's going to be Robin in that? Damien's going to be Robin in that because that's their brand. Well, and just, I get, yeah, just like with Hush coming out. They all the principal characters from Hush are there, with the exception of the Huntress. And well, Robin's in there, but it's Damien, not it, Tim Drake. Yeah, and it, and it, it and you almost because of that universe have to have that happen, right? So it's I, I think of Tim, Tim and Wally are, are pretty strong in my heads as people that a certain after a certain year, the comic fans that came in at that point have no real affinity for this character. The fact that he was brought back to prominence in Detective Comics in Rebirth, uh, even though he was gone for a little while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But no, he came back and he was Tim. Like, I recognized him as Tim Drake in that book. And Mm -hmm. that, that just blew me away. Like, no, this isn't, this isn't guy in stupid bird costume. (laughs) <laughs> whose parents were in the witness relocation program and his name's not even really Tim Drake and oh he saw the bat oh, I wanted to bike. flip a table <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and Lobdell says that wasn't him I have no reason to uh, to disbelieve given how editorial acted during the new 52 yeah. I believe anything anyone tells me at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> in all honesty but no it's just like one of those things where 
Tim was sidelined for so long that you have to do something amazing like a lonely place of living to kind of bring him back. The costume is almost like the classic costume. I don't like the double R, but I never will. So I've just accepted that fact. Uh, (laughs) then 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 you have him sitting there going, who the hell am I? And I'm just like, wow, that bothers me on a deep and meaningful level i need to step away from this comic yes uh, <laughs> i didn't realize how one panel like hey it's tim ah crap <laughs> what was gonna make me feel i'm like okay I, oh. I showed it i showed it to a friend of mine who uh she is really it's really funny for someone as young as she is to be into the the version of batman she's into because she's just waiting for oracle to come back uh, and I'm just wow. like, wow, you are, you are, you are an old soul, aren't you? Um, <laughs> but I showed her that panel, and she goes, "Was Tim always like that?" I go, "No, not at all. He was you know, the one that had it together." I'm sorry, yes. I didn't mean to swear. No, no, you're, no, you're fine because I'm, I'm trying to not. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the one that had it together. He was the one that, you know, Dick had his own issues. And was yeah. dealing with them as best he could, but Tim was the one that could, at any point could be like, you know what, I will keep your secret, you can trust me, I'm out. Yeah. And and, and Bruce would probably let him go. Yeah, he's, and he, not even bat an eye. Yeah, he, he'd be like, you know, if you ever want to come back, if I ever need you, I'll call on you, etc., etc., but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find something, but you were a good soldier. I, that, that's kind of how I... I well, no, he would not talk to him for a couple of years, and there would be an awkward reunion. Awkward, yeah. But, but at the end of the day, in his head, he'd be like, "He was a good soldier." Yeah, right. And then you know <laughs> he's going to get punched in the face. You know, I'm not going there. But you know what, Robin? <laughs> I'm going to be on a Tom King. Pull me out of it. Um, <laughs> you know what, Robin? That is. I don't know if you've watched much of the Teen Titans Go cartoon. At all, but there yes, was. Yes, my wife loves that show. Okay, so I've watched there was quite an episode where all the Robins show up, and then you have the dark and brooding Robin that's clearly in the one year later outfit that that's Tim Drake. That's that Robin. So I'm thinking Tom King has two kids. They watch Teen Titans Go. He sees that version of Tim Drake and go, "That's the one I'm going to put in the book." And and you know like and, and I, I want to make it kind of clear, I have nothing against Tim Tom King as a person. Oh no no no, because I here. don't know the man. But I can have a genuine disagreement in how he characterizes something, no matter what good place that is coming from Correct. from him as a writer. The, 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 you know, I that is a good preface, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yeah. It's just it, that, that's just the thing. Is this that you know? I, I I could I could totally see what you're saying though. He's he's watching Teen Titans Go, and which I I, I both love and hate. <laughs> At the same time, it's just, this is a weird thing in my head, but my wife has such a pure love for that show that I can't help but like it, <laughs> because, because it makes her happy, so it has it has value to me, basically, because of that. <laughs> well, we're talking about costumes here, so I got two, co- two costume questions. So this year, Tim Drake will be given a new code name as a superhero on the pages of Young Justice. Mm-hmm. Is it about time... Or should he stay as a Robin of some sort and flip the script and make Damien and John change their code name and leave Connor and Tim keep theirs? Where do you fall? Is it time for Tim to become something else, or is he already that something else? I, I don't think they have a choice at this point. Uh, you know, I, I looked at the cover to, to the new Young Justice series, and I went, 
that's really cute. It's not going to last. This yeah. is this is a this is a good nostalgia grab because there's good nostalgia grabs and there's terrible nostalgia grabs. Mm-hmm. I, I felt this was coming from a good place. I don't think Tim has has another choice has any other choice but to become a new character. Uh, Damien is their brand. He is their Robin, right. and you know they have that on a multimedia level. It is only a matter of time before we get a live action version uh, in something. Uh, it may not be a Batman film, but it'll be somewhere. I mean, we, we we got probably one of the best live action Robin costumes ever on a show where apparently they spent most of the costume budget on that Robin outfit. <laughs> yeah. Then, like, spent a lot of money on Hawk and Dove. And then everyone's like, crap. Okay, put a hoodie on her. And uh, he's going to wear a red and yellow tracksuit, a red and white tracksuit. And just just go to the just go to the Goodwill and get Starfire's outfits. So, right, right. So, but I, I think that to a certain extent, you have to do something with both. If you're gonna have Tim still be a thing, and if you're gonna bring Connor back at all. Mm-hmm. You really need to do something different with them because they have put other characters in that role. I think one of the things that could have probably not so much saved Wally after Barry came back, but giving him a distinct name and not just saying, well, you know, Jake Garrick is Flash too, so everyone could be the Flash. No, <laughs> at some point you have to differentiate between these characters. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you call him. Obviously, he can't be Nightwing. Um, right. They're not going to call him Ishmael. <laughs> uh, that's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. People in the back of the room. Uh, <laughs> crickets, crickets. <laughs> there's like three people out there that went, ha! And then just moved on with life. Right. Uh, I, I don't know what you call him. I, I think I think giving him a costume similar to the one he has now would not be a bad thing because Damien's got the hood thing going on. So right. his Robin God, that is such a busy costume. I, I have a, yeah. a, a desktop wallpaper that I cycle through from time to time of, of a rebirth Damien uh, shot, and I'm just looking at that costume going, wow, I'd hate to have to have to draw that panel after panel after panel. There's like a lot of yellow buckles going different directions. Like it, his original Damien costume and even the New 52 costume was not mm-hmm. bad, but once you get into the uh, Damien or Robin Son of Batman title by Pat Gleason, which I adore Pat Gleason's art, but that's where the yellow piping starts coming mm-hmm. in the extra little like like you said, that's that's starting to get busy. The yellow trim going around the cape, and but I, I I think a change is necessary. But then again, I have accepted that Tim's time is pretty much over, and so now to me, I can kind of just keep him keep him in my heart year long. You know, like suddenly Tiny Tim is telling me I need to. <laughs> You know, God bless Tim, everyone. <laughs> but, you know, I, I can go back and read the old comics and, and relive that era because there's a lot of comics to read. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's not like you're... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's you're running into this. You've got a whole new Young Justice uh, show, <laughs> so you've got a whole new 
52 more issues of, <laughs> right. of, of Tim to talk about. So, you know, it's like, okay, let the current generation have what they have. Have him be around and be a different character because, to a large extent, while Dick Grayson was Robin when I was a kid, comic book Mike does not really recognize Dick Grayson as Robin most of the time. He's Nightwing. So if he can move yeah. beyond yeah. the character, give Tim to a, a writer that really cares, and I think you can have a new name and a slightly modified costume, I don't think you should change it too much. I think you should go back, personally, and make it more like the 90s outfit. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the last follow-up questions I've got here, speaking of costumes, if you had to pick a costume for Tim, is it the classic costume or is it the one year later costume, the red and black costume? And this, to me, depending on the way the wind blows, I love that red and black costume. I love the bat motifs that are in there with the spikes on the gauntlets and the scallops and the and the cape. But the next minute, I'm going through the podcast and I see here's a Chuck Dixon book, here's Mike Rowingo, or here's Tom Lyle or Tom Grum, and I'm like, man, I love that costume. Staz Johnson. Wow. Staz, Staz Johnson, yes. I'm, I'm looking at a... I went to a comic book shop in Kentucky, and on the wall is an original comic book art, Robin, issue 43, page 17, and it's up on the wall. And I'm like, that's Mike Rowingo. And, uh, or excuse me, Staz Johnson, rather. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I pointed up at it, and it was a Sunday, and I said, is that for sale or just for show? I, I'm, I'm just asking. He's like, well, I can call the owner. I'm like, no, 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 that's fine. And he's like, no, I'll call the owner. He's like, I got nothing better to do. Call the owner. I walked out with that piece. I oh. love I love this piece. And in it, he's crawling through the window of Stephanie Brown's house. And on her wall is a poster of Connor Kent pulling, <laughs> pulling his sunglasses <laughs> down. And Tim gives a smirk of like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of like you. It, it, it's it's there. There are times where I look at that that one year later costume, and I'm like, that was a good redesign because it didn't take away anything good about it, but it was just different enough that you know you're in a new era. Uh, I really mm. think Tony Daniel did a lot of good stuff with that costume in Teen Titans oh, when he was drawing the beautiful. Book. Yes. Like, just, just, I would look at that and go, God, I hate everything going on in this book, but it is sure pretty to look at. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then again, Tony Daniels is the guy that proved that the Earth 2 Robin costume was still cool during Infinite Crisis. So, oh, you know. I, I will co sign that all day long. <laughs> the, the Earth 2 costume, I'm like, uh, all right, yeah, I dig it. Tony Daniels behind the pencil, man, that is beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and, and it really, I think what it proves is that any, like, you could hate a costume, but a writer, an artist, a certain artist can come along and make you go, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll begrudgingly accept this at this point. Now, I will always love his, his original costume. I, I bought mm. a couple years ago, I went on a little eBay kick and I got some of the uh, early Tim Drake inspired costumes. Uh, action figures like on my hutch right now is the uh the animated version with the spiky hair oh yeah yeah uh, i have and i also got the one from the batman returns kenner line that first tim drake figure ever i love that, that figure that to me looks like they were planning this for another design and they just yeah. released it as tim drake <laughs> uh, i'm looking at that hair going 
that's not Tim. Uh, yeah, that might be Marlon Wayans under that. Yeah, I was about to say that's that's probably Marlon Wayans. There is there are going some guy like ten years from now is going to do a documentary on the making of Batman Returns, and he's going to unearth all that stuff. Oh yeah, uh, and it's going to get flooded on the internet because that's how it works now. But no, I, I I will always love the original costume, uh, especially when uh, the. Uh, esteemed law firm of Grummet, uh, Ringo and Johnson uh, were drawing it, but I, I can't deny that the the year one costume wasn't uh, wasn't uh, no, the one year later, later costume yeah. wasn't a not an improvement but an acceptable replacement. Like like I look at it and go Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's kind of cool. I'll, I'll I'll go with that. And there are some really great covers from the the, the first couple of issues after uh, around the time of one year later, where I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a really that's a really sharp looking costume. That actually, when that happened, is when I accepted the costume of the animated series because there's such a similarity yeah. there on a color scheme level that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that is kind of cool. Because in because I'm gonna tell you, in '97, I was like, nope. <laughs> don't like it. I need my green pants. Yeah. I need them green pants. Now, I didn't realize this. For years, I was always curious, like, who created that costume? I got a chance to meet Ed McGinnis at a comic convention, and I had him sign. I can't quite see it. I think it's uh, Robin 153, the, the beginning of the one year later. And I had asked him, I'd like, I always liked this costume. I said, you know, which came first, the animated series, or was it comics? He said, well, I designed this. For the comics, the Warner Brothers studios saw that for the animated series and said, oh, we're going to use this as the new Robin costume before yeah. that came out. So that was a little piece that I had, had never known before. So he's like, so my design's got to appear in animation before it hits uh, comics. That's real. I did not know that. And I'm a really big fan of Ed McGinnis. So that is really kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> The final question I have for you is what are the other thoughts might you have for Tim Drake and why Tim Drake has lasted this long, 30 years, and do you see some more longevity with Brian Michael Bendis helming Tim Drake in Young Justice? I, I think given a, a writer that cares about the character, the, the Tim can last into the future. I Seeing him grow up, essentially, uh, especially because it was around the time that I was growing up, uh, was j- just gives me a connection to this character that I don't have with other comic book uh, heroes or villains. One of my favorite moments of Tim ever was during the Legacy storyline. And they're in Paris. And he runs into that guy that was training him in the first issue of the Robin miniseries. Mm-hmm. And Tim wants none of this, and he drops him, like, in three panels, <laughs> and I'm like, you go, Tim. And it was just, it was at that moment that I realized in, like, 1996 when that happened, that I'm like, no, I, th- I this guy has grown. This is, there's been a progression here. We've gotten to see him go beyond just the guy that figured out that Bruce Wayne was Batman. He's legit. He's, he's part of this team. And I will always love him because of that. There, there, There's a certain number of characters as I become more and more separate from the day-to-day goings-on of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. 
and you know just not really care as much as I used to and don't need to be part of every event and don't need to get every issue of Batman Metal and Hero Heroes in Crisis and Doomsday Clock <laughs> uh, and you know like okay now I got to go back and read all this Justice League stuff because we've got the year of the villain I don't have that that immediacy anymore but what I do have is this deep love for the characters that I loved I think Tim is one of those characters that came along at just the right time with just the right generation of comic book fans coming into the books to make him special. And like I said, I think that if you get somebody like Bendis that likes the character or just somebody who cares about him, I, I think you can... you Any character with the proper writer will work. I, I think Green Lantern is a good example of that. Has Green Lantern been as popular since Jeff Johns has left? I mean, let's let's, let's be real for a second. Does does no. anybody really care anymore? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, Chad Bogleman never wants to talk to me again. But still, <laughs> you know, but but I, th- I I I'm talking for the larger comic book audience, right. not for oh, the people yeah. who are fans of the characters. Right. You know, Jeff Johns came onto that character. He became super popular. He was popular, and the minute he's off, it's just like. Oh, well, let's see what else is going on, basically. Yeah. So Tim is unfortunately one of those characters that's like that. You you have to have the, the, the person that is emotionally invested in him to bring him into any kind of prominence. And Stephanie has to be involved in that. Totally. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of hardcore about that. Her, her thing in that panel, that page two, just... Oh. Oh, okay. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get into. I'm gonna think happy thoughts. <laughs> I'm gonna think happy thoughts. I think Tim is has earned his place in Bat history. I think he was there at a pivotal moment in Batman's uh, development, and because of that, I think he will always be important on one level or another. Even if that importance is, he used to be Robin, and he was awesome. Very well said. Mr. Bailey, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We've got to get you back in the Drake house hey. uh, to maybe uh, uh, review a, a proper book. I know I've already uh, done some uh, plugs for you, but uh, what do you have coming up on your plethora of podcasts? <laughs> and where can people get a hold of you if they uh, choose to do so, sir? And everybody should. Uh, www.fortressofbailey2.com. A... a joke from live journal circa 2004 has become a thing because <laughs> i joked about that once when i had a live journal because i are, have been around long enough to have had a live journal uh before the russians took over and kicked us all out <laughs> now it's just we, we 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 sit here and we talk about things it's great <laughs> we, we talk about the Superman and the and the Super Boys. <laughs> I just sorry. This, is, this has nothing to do with comics. But when they said that there are Russian troll farms, I'm like, I was living on the bridge. Now I create memes. <laughs> um, that, but, they're not uh, trolls; they're gophers. <laughs> but the um, uh, Fortress of Bailitude dot com is the home of what I, I amusingly call the Fortress of Bailitude Podcasting Network. It was basically an attempt to do since I, I do several different shows to get everything kind of under one roof. So if you come, you, you're going to find something you like. 
right now overlooked Dark Knight, which is a Batman show I do with Andrew Leyland. Uh, which, <laughs> you know, we say it's a non-index index show, and we cover this year we're covering uh, bat, you know various Batman stories to celebrate the 80th, 80th. anniversary. Oh, that's normally, right. You did release your uh, first episode on that. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we. <laughs> There's like six in the can, so that's why that's where my head is. Uh, <laughs> sneak peek, y'all. We're going to be talking about Blades from Legends of the Dark Knight. It was a great episode. I'm, so, I'm really excited <laughs> wow. to release that. The um, you know normally we talk about like Batman books from the late '70s and the early '80s, where we talk about the animated stuff. That show is just an excuse for Andy and I to get together and talk. Uh, <laughs> it's the most laid back show I do, but we talk about Batman, and you have a Batman related thing, so that's uh, that's there. Uh, Bailey's Batman podcast is is kind of like it all comes back to Superman is out when I um, have the urge to do it. Uh, later in June, there's going to be a special episode released on the day that the final part of Night's End was released. Hmm. Much like I did last year with Shag, the irredeemable Shag, uh, talking about the death of Superman, uh, Tom Panarese and I got together to talk about Nightfall. Uh, so there's yeah. going to be like a three-hour special. <laughs> Bring a drink, maybe pack a snack. <laughs> I was going to say, um, and maybe a light sandwich. <laughs> Uh, and we we've got we th- there is another greatest stories ever told volume that we basically looked at each other and said well we gotta <laughs> at this point the um, from crisis to crisis is on one of its hiatuses but it is not going away that is where we cover the post crisis Superman in or in publication order we're, we're right at the trial of Superman so we're peak nineties oh. DC yeah, right yeah. now. Um, and uh, there's episodes of, of Bailey's Batman podcast and views from the long box and all these other things where you can just look through. You'll find if you like, especially if you like superhero comics, you're going to find something to listen to. And hopefully you don't go too far back in the catalog because uh, some of those are rough. <laughs> you know, boning up for uh, the hundredth. I started going back and listen to the first couple episodes of this show and I'm like my gosh you are green sir yeah it's just it's like one of those things where um, like how did how do I have followers how is that even remotely possible because this is something that that clicked with me recently I've been listening to the Al Franken podcast uh, because he has a podcast now Mm -hmm. and he was talking with Sarah Silverman and they were discussing that there is a there's a comedy club in L.A where you go to practice your stuff. It's it's basically not it's a safe place essentially. You can screw up. And he goes and you figure out what works and what doesn't. And I'm like, "Man, I wish I would have figured that out early that I could make mistakes." Like like now I look at my mistakes and go, "Okay, they've made me better later." Uh and I'm still making mistakes which will hopefully make me better later. But as much as I as I cringe at some of the things that I did and some of the things that I said and the ways that I did it. You know, it, it, it's, it's an evolution. And what I have found with people that discover you early, they come up with you. And the people that find you now go back and they make allowances for the fact that you were green. Hmm. So that's and this is the guy that just said, don't listen to my early stuff. But I'm saying for your early stuff, that's why. <laughs> well, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, sure. Sure? 
You sure? Yeah, I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think it's. Been I have been drinking since noon. <laughs> Yeah, we're all out. We got to go to the store to pick up some. More. <laughs> We've got to get some vodka. I've got more. I've got more Jesus memes to create. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Uh, I want to thank my very special guest, Michael Bailey, for carving out some time and telling us why he loves the Drake. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Take care. If somebody sent you. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at thebatmanuniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Who's gonna fix you next time you break down? Stranded alone by the side of the road at your baggage, it's dragging you down. Don't look back. Let it go Superman